Hello, this is D.B. Richards from the 2300 Wrestling Podcast, and this season is dedicated to Bill Polarino. Rest in peace, my friend. Welcome, everybody, to the 2300 Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, D.B. Richards, alongside my sweet referee, Dave Keener. All-time classic. This is wrestling. So guess who's actually back, but he just doesn't want to talk no, right now. I'm not here. You yeah, are you're... here. I see you. No, I'm not. Where, you. where no. have you been? You were missing in action for like uh, five weeks, ten weeks, or something like that. Three. Is it three weeks? Oh, yeah, we about that. Seen you since three, weeks. three weeks. I'm not even supposed to be here today, so. I, I, I took you over home. your job. You came home. You came home. Yeah. You came home to see Dave Matthews Band with me. Right. Happy birthday. Thank you. Happy birthday. Thank you. Yeah. You know what? You're a Dave. I'm a Dave. I'm a Dave. Let's oh. say hi to another Dave. Oh, hi, Dave Adams. Hi, David Adams here. Thanks for introducing me so properly. I feel at home whenever I'm amongst my fellow Daves. Good morning. Good afternoon, gentlemen. How are you? Today. So I gotta I gotta play the little rib off you real quick. There was a time when yeah. you weren't there for super crazy. And I sat in for you and I pulled your bit and Benny next to me laughed about it. So I'm like, all right, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. David Keener here. And Benny's like, oh shit. Mm-hmm. Funny. Uh, why, why would you do that? Because David Imita- imitation is the greatest form of uh, flattery. I'm cool with it. Right. I, I you know it's good to make fun of a friend. You know, somebody well, not friend, more like family. You know, so it's good to have fun like that. It's all about fun. Right. I always had great times um, sitting next to them at IWA. Oh, yeah. That was fun things. And thank you for letting me sit with you with the first time. You're like, can You're you come over and help? Oh, my gosh. This is awesome. It's not a problem. I appreciate that meet and greet money that you slipped me on the side for me allowing you the privilege of working with me. Speaking of meet and greet, I'm going to yeah. talk to you after we're done about meet and greet. Yeah. yeah. Well, so he at, wants to meet at and the greet same, you. At the same show, I had the privilege of taking, taking some photos for him as well, too. So, yeah. Just let me know what you're doing August 6th. Okay, yeah. We'll talk off the air. Definitely. What do you want to do? I want to go back to bed and put my freaking robe back on and lay back down. That's what I want to do. I'm still on vacation for another 12 hours. I don't. You guys have been on quite the concert tour. I want to. I'm gonna throw it back and I'm gonna ask the interviewers a question. How how has your like a recent run of concerts been going, guys? You guys have been doing all kinds of. Was it Dave Matthews Band for the past like 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 a night or two? Yeah, I went last night. DB DB went with me last night, and he went Friday night as well. And he also saw Brian Wilson and Chicago. Chicago. So actually, about Brian Wilson from the Beast Boys. Yes, yes. So it was that's funny. That's so it was awesome. actually Wednesday in the park, not Saturday. So and didn't you work cool. a couple weeks ago, Dave? I worked the arena tour with Def Leppard, Motley Crue, Poison, and Joan Jett. Fun oh wow, time. how was that? Oh, it was. I clocked in at about two thirty in the afternoon and clocked out about twelve thirty at night. Nice oh, song, but it cool. was fun. I lost my voice from screaming and having a good time getting, and getting paid for it too. So that's awesome. A couple weeks back, so I went to Tim McGraw, and that was cool too. Yeah, I've been. Phil Philadelphia native. No, really, it was his brother's father. But he was never with that family. Right. If you know Doug McGraw. I, I know. Yeah, the back. Yeah. He lived in media. But his, he was married for his, like, had Tim. We're, we're deviating away from David Adams, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's deviate. We're deviating well, here. But you just brought this in there. But he <laughs> I started, started that. I, I, I started it by asking the interviewer the question. Oh, good. It's weird because we're interviewing an interviewer. Interview. Ain't that amazing? Uh-huh. But, like, I totally enjoy, like, the concert world right now. Like, I, I wanted to take away... Like, I took a whole month off trying not to do a lot of wrestling, going to shows, because I just started doing the Connect Four stuff. So that's fun. And I know I want to do that with, too, Mr. Adams. And maybe. Yeah, uh, I maybe. Think, I'll, be on, I'll be honest with you. If we could do the Connect Four thing, I told you a certain somebody, uh, and I love that Connect Four battle. So I'm going to leave that out there for you. Uh, whenever, I, I, me I, I, and I, I, whenever me and Ms. King go to the arcade, we always look for the big Connect Four on the, like, a uh, 
on the on the on the digital like board, the big giant Connect Four, and, and we and we talk a lot of shit to each other while we're playing. So yeah, we love us some Connect Four. So I'm definitely down for that bit. That this would is, be funny. This is the deal. So I'll play you and Debbie Kane, and then I'll let you two play each other and put it on the YouTube channel. Dude, See, next time you do that, you gotta play. Let's make a deal on the thing. Yeah. Dude, we get competitive, man. <laughs> oh yeah, we had uh, Red Titus do it when we were in Virginia, and he had fun oh, at Eastern yeah. Shore Pro Wrestling. Yes. I got beat in like five seconds because I was like starstruck. No, I was starstruck. Well, it, it's not that Grizzly. We were, Grizz was talking to us, and Grizz walks up. He goes, "Dude, you gotta go play Connect Four. He's like, "Connect Four." Red sat up, and he goes, "I love me some Connect Four. Let's go." So last night we were sitting in the parking lot at the Dave Masters Band. I was like, "We should play a game because everybody else is playing games," and I beat Dave five times. Right. I don't play Connect. I don't. But like, but you played me, and you were trying to beat me, and you couldn't beat me. No. Yeah, I mean, give me a good cornhole game or something like that, and we'll be good. Hey guys, we should like ask questions here. To our I know. Guests. Well, we know. We know. We, we're having fun. This is Dave Adams, our friend. He loves choking chickens. No, at no, Super no, no, no. What? Yeah. He's not a friend. He's family. Dave is family and always has been in the what? Fifteen years I've known you. Something like that. I can't remember. Yeah. It's a long goddamn time. Yes, I, I consider your family too. I'm sorry. I mean family. We, we were telling the story earlier. I was telling Brian about when we walked in the house of hardcore and I saw you. And I'm like, yo, shit. I gotta be a long time ago. Well, it was eighteen. 2018, oh, when he was ringing out some House of Hardcore. And why ain't Tommy doing any more of that? Because Tommy Dreamer is the head writer for TNA. Oh, who cares? Mm-hmm. He got some time off. <laughs> Don't worry, we'll see him soon. Trust so, me, got things coming up. So let's start the questions. As sure. we're like a half an hour in. Exactly. So first question, you know, pan- yeah. the pandemic happened in 2020. A lot of a lot of companies, you know, shut down or closed up because of it. But we're still having like you know the after effects of COVID. Did you do you think that the pandemic really affected the business hard, or is it still going? And still going today? Well, I think that uh, people seem to have recovered fairly resiliently. Um, I think in the initial short term, it affected things, you know. But now, as yeah, you know, you know, God willing, we're starting to come out of it. Even though, in, you know, the COVID is still a real thing. Uh, it just luckily uh, the um, you know a lot more people are getting the vaccinations and and it's helping them. But it's still a real thing. Everybody should still be smart um, and always be aware of their surroundings. But back to the question at hand. Yeah, I think a lot of companies are recovering well. Um, I mean, it, it, it's had a positive and a negative effect on some people, though. I mean, a lot of shows are running, almost too many shows running at some point, though. And um, I mean, I find the problem is that I think a lot of people went like two years without getting full-time bookings, and a lot of the younger ones are coming back willing to um, just be- not, not even willing to work for free, but actually begging to work for free. And it really, it, you know, it, it has affected the marketplace for what uh, the formers can and should be getting paid. I mean, I, wrestlers, referees, ring announcers, and I, I'm not going to mention ever any names because they each their own. You need to negotiate your own deals. And uh, you, you need, I, but I do think that some people do need to be educated to the fact that you, I mean, I know it was a rough stretch of time there, but I mean, by giving, by just begging the promoters to look free, you're shifting the power back to the promoters when, I mean, you know, being a promoter is a powerful thing, but being a performer is very powerful because uh, in the pandemic, it was proven that you can run successful wrestling shows with no fans. Uh, we prefer not to because the fans are 
really the very epicenter of why we do this. I mean, other than making money, but the fans bring money, so it works hand in hand. Uh, you really, uh, I really love having fans, but I did a plenty of shows without any fans during the pandemic. But the one thing that you cannot have a show without is talent. Uh, what, are, what are you going to watch? 12 matches of The Invisible Man versus, Invis- versus Invisible Stan? I mean, you need to have talent uh, on the shows, and uh, and I think, you know, talent should be paid appropriately. But, you know, when you have uh, younger talent, uh, lesser educated talent uh, to the business begging to work for free, you know, that really can make the promoter say, hey, why should I pay this one guy a hundred bucks when this guy's like, he doesn't even want the the hand, the, the hot sauce. He'll just do it for a hand, handshake and exposure. And I think it's great. Everybody should get their exposure. But now that we're, you know, a couple of years, now that we're like our second year out of the pandemic, things are really starting to open up. Um, I just think, you know, there are almost too many promotions running at the same time, but that same problem weekend. will never end. Yeah, that problem will never end. You can't tell promoters, hey, don't run the third Saturday of the month because we're running the third Saturday of the month uh, uh, on a demographic basis and, uh, and a monetary basis. That seems to be the most popular weekend. So, I mean, any any Saturday, there's only there's only four Saturdays in a month, sometimes five, depending on the calendar structure. So, I mean, people are going to run this past week. I said that basically yesterday, I and mean, I feel like there was at least a dozen shows in New Jersey that were running. It, it's yes. I mean, if it wasn't a dozen, it was certainly eight to ten realistically. And uh, it's just, you know, it's great for the talent, but, you know, I mean, make sure you're also getting paid. I mean, I mean, it affects like it affects what a, a ring announcer can ask for. It affects what a referee can ask for. It affects what, what in-ring talent can ask for. Even like the lighting people and the sound people. There's competition for everything, and everybody's trying to cut each other down. But at the end of the day, you, you get what you pay for. In most cases, I mean, I mean, if, if you book a whole roster of hot dog and handshake, uh, you know, you're probably going to get a hot dog. And you should just call your sh- your show hot dog and a handshake. I only, mean, only everybody if hot dog Starks is on the show. Can I get a turkey yeah, dog? Well, that yeah, well, anytime you have a hot dog versus a cheeseburger, that's an instant classic. I'm not talking about right. situations such as that. So, but yeah, I mean, to make a short story long, yeah, I mean, I'm glad we're starting to come out of the pandemic, but uh, you know, like I said, I'll just leave it at that. It's affecting people's minds positively and negatively, unfortunately. But you had mentioned the Invisible Man match. There's the only way that that'll happen is if Nick Burke is involved. So, uh, I mean, I saw that I saw that match. I, I saw that match on YouTube that went down a couple years ago, WrestleMania weekend, and that was truly something on another stratosphere. Artistic artistic expression personified. It was amazing. And, I, and I'll say, yeah, it was like a 15-minute match and I, w- I was into it. There, w- there wasn't one point where I was like, this is freaking dumb. It was it, w- it was very well, very well done and all the working parts that made that match happen, uh, yeah, that, that was great. But I was just using it as a, as a euphemism for, yeah, I mean, wait, if you don't have any talent on the show, you're just going to have a blank canvas and uh, and no artist there to paint the canvas. So there's a side story to that. Back in 1999, yeah. I think it was, was 99? Yes. We, we we did a show out here in Swarthmore, PA, at a, at a place called the Cerebral Palsy Association, and Nick Burke was supposed to wrestle Too Hot Scotty Vandal, something like that. The body. The body, Scotty Vandal. And he was late, showed up later, put him in a six-man match, and we're like, well, we have nothing for you now, Nick. Nick's like, I'll work the Invisible Man. He went out and did a seven to ten-minute match, putting the Invisible Man over. Oh, yeah. it, it was like he did the hip toss, and he did the over-the-top and everything else with the Invisible Man. And I wrapped that match. And I'm like, uh, what do I do? And Maverick, who was the promoter at time, that time, was like, just go. Okay. And on that show, God rest his soul, was trying to ask. Do you want to add something? I want to add something to that, um, the whole thing. Do you think um, some shows should be going back out 
outside again because I thought outside shows in the summer was amazing. I thought with this weather, oh yeah. Oh my gosh, like I had fun going to outside shows the whole I mean Titans go back to running outside. Yeah. Are you, are you asking me if I think? I mean, yeah. outdoor shows are fun. Um when it was a necessity, like Titan, uh, I mean, yeah, they definitely should be commended during the, you know, primary main year of the pandemic that, you know, the only thing they could do was run outside and at one point you had to sit in your car so they had like the drive-in brawl and and uh, you know, you know, when I said one fall, cars would all honk their horns or I would take the Scott Steiner thing and go, honk, if you hear me, and they would start honking. And that was fun. And I do love outdoor shows, but it's only as only if they if the promoters or the promotion that take the time to rent like a professional canopy to put over the ring. Uh, because I mean it's not, I mean, I'm just an announcer, but speaking for the talent that are, you know, their skin is exposed, they're wearing spandex and a lot of a lot of a lot of their skin is exposed because they're in uniform, have you, uh, bumping on a canvas. If it's ninety degrees outside, the odds are that canvas is probably a hundred and ten, hundred and twenty degrees. And that really can start to uh, you know, you can get like, you know, the minor like burns, third degree burns, such like that. I mean, and uh, really as long as the canvas is covered, uh, maybe get a fan in there to circulate some air under the tent, make sure that there's a good supply of, of water for the talent, make sure there's a concession stand where there's a ample supply of water for the fans that could purchase or give out bottles of water for free in some cases. That way some people, you know, if people don't come with money, you hear here's a bottle of water, don't dehydrate and pass out. Um right. you know, yeah, I mean festival shows are cool like that. I mean, but yeah, I mean honestly, I'm I'm I have a limited schedule in August and uh, unless somebody wants to book me, which like I said, I'm I'm available, but I mean I have one set booking for August as of right now and I'm totally cool with that. Like I'm totally cool with that because I mean for me on the independent level you know competing against people's summer vacations that, that's a tough sell I mean it's tough to compete against major holidays like 4th of July but I think August that's the most popular uh, month that people go on, on vacation because they know it's that last month of the summer kids start to go back to work at the end of August beginning of September depending on their scheduling and depending um, on where you live but yeah yeah it really depends on, on where you live and uh, as much as fans love wrestling uh, fan, people never fans people love to try and go on vacation in any way shape or form possible on on any budget possible so that money that you may have set aside that eighty hundred dollars you know for a couple of people to go to a show that might go for the way to go to the shore or something or or like a camping or something whatever recreation you you, you enjoy during it's the summer time yeah so uh i mean yeah i mean i don't mind the outdoor shows but i mean i'm okay like like um last night as of i don't know when, when this is going to be aired but uh as of this recording last night with tcw american spirit and we were at the Bayville elk and they had the air conditioning on in that building and as you know tcw like you spoke of they did american spirit outdoors due to necessity and you know what i love the outdoors but i was totally cool having it indoors uh so uh, you know i i'm not complaining it, it was nice to have some air conditioning and uh and a packed house you were talking about outdoor shows now yeah. back in i think it was 98 maybe 97 i'm not sure family spun spot right there outside of law ran i i was there i, I was there. doing anything i was at it some was hot and i mean good main event to that one so i want to go back to what you were saying earlier about this weekend having so many shows running at the same time i think there was about eight or twelve one in philadelphia one in philadelphia which i was at pro wrestling explosion um super crazy um uh, but i also noticed like everybody has to run on saturdays why can't people run on friday nights or even Sunday. David, uh, Friday nights, it, it's tough with the traffic and people, fans work, talent work. I mean, it, it, it really is tough. I mean, I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the diehard uh, fans will make it there. A lot of the talent where wrestling is their primary form of income, you know, they, their scheduling is a little more open. But a lot of the talent that have like a weekday job, it's a little tougher. But I mean, Saturday is just a day, basically. And I mean, you only get 
get four to five Saturdays a month, depending on how the month set up, but usually four Saturdays. And I mean, it's an unrealistic request to ask uh, promoters not to compete against each other because there's no beef for the most part. Every once in a while, you get some bullshit, trashy ass uh, thing where, where promoters will talk shit to each other. And honestly, yeah. the talents yeah. will just stay out of that. I, I don't, there's no names in it. It's just, I'm, I'm just tired of that crap. I've gotten too old for that. And, you know, it's just like, you know, and then there's a lot of the young minds get sucked into that. But as you grow with experience and get more knowledge in this business and life experience as well, I mean, a lot of the young younger people, this is this message is for you. The, 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 the older school had those, you know, and they're probably getting mad their head. Yes. I mean, just you know, avoid the promoter bullshit. You know, get your envelope, get booked, be respectful to the promoter, do what the promoter asks of you. If you're not sure what the promoter is asking of you, don't just guess. Ask them, hey, what are the bullet points you're best me to do tonight? So always make sure that there's good communication and stay away from the promoter versus promoter trying to cut each other bullshit because that's, you know, they have, you know, tens of thousands of dollars investing on devices. You got to pay for insurance, license. You got to pay for the doctors. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, work moving parts when you go to ownership or promotership of a company. So I mean, it, it's a lot less fun for a promoter than it is for a talent that's trying to quote unquote live their dream or whatnot. So um, just here, you know, just you know, carve your own path, uh, stay in your lane basically, and don't try to go above, above your pay grade. And yeah, if you hear any promoter BS, you know, social media has been more toxic than ever lately. Um, the best that is just to uh, you know, you know, don't comment on it and I mean you can do what you want freedom of speech and freedom of expression but I suggest just read it take it with a grain of salt and focus on you and just focus on being the best uh, performer you can and uh, yeah avoid uh, working for free at all costs but that promoter to promoter thing we all know way too well god DB okay let's get into the next question background checks on the talent or prom- and promoters because a while back we did have um, the speak out movement speak right out during out the moment. pandemic yep yes on May so like there's a company out there um, finding out he was a child molester and all that and there's no background check on a lot of things people do look up stuff but not everybody I think all states should put a bet um, but you know that costs a lot of money to do background this checks is, this is where states should do it not true yeah but if it's a like not a because if, if you bring licenses back into the business I think they should have a set and saying what your criminal records are there's all then, there's also I was about to go to that question there's also sites out there called like been verified and stuff like that they look up your background so if you do have a criminal record it shows up on there and it's very very cheap yeah, too. but you can find a lot of stuff online for free without having to pay somebody yeah. yeah but you think um wrestling should change a little bit because we want to get that negativity out of wrestling and make it better because you got kids out there you got families you got all this coming to see you but you have people out there that drive on that stuff you think that should be changed yeah in wrestling? i think it should i think it should be done privately and not make a post like if i'm a promoter don't make a post i'm gonna start doing background check on people. It's called you privately reach out to each one of your talents and you politely ask their permission well, I mean, I, I need to do a background check so I have your permission. Don't put anybody on blast. Don't make one person or don't even make it as a public team. You know, this you know, this isn't something that the fans necessarily need to know about, but if you're going to do it, do it respectfully. And yeah, I mean, I think it, I think it, it's been long overdue. Unfortunately, there are some, you know, um, lesser desirable people that do slip through the cracks in our business um unfortunately uh, you know I, I you know i think the realization is that there's probably a bunch more out there that haven't been called out yet uh, i'm not referencing any person in particular but it's the pro wrestling business and you're always going to bump into creeps for, for lack of a better word and i'll keep it as clean as possible i don't think we need to go too far into it but yeah i think 
see if uh, recent uh, past history has uh, has uh, told us anything that, yeah, I mean, background checks maybe aren't a bad, bad thing because the most important thing is the safety of our of our fans, especially the family-friendly environment, the, the ones that bring their young children there and such like that. So, I mean, I mean, like any business, I mean, you go for any respectable job, there's going to be some kind of a background check on you. I mean, a job I started not too long ago, they did a full background check and they checked every one of my references. They did a full background check to see, you know, if, you know, David Adams was up to anything. And not, I mean, I got nothing to hide. So, I mean, but yeah, I mean, they, they do it for your, for your quote unquote real life job. I mean, I mean, pro wrestling's a real life job too, but you know what I mean? I mean, this for this fantasy world that we in, endeavor every weekend on the independent team. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guarantee if you get signed to a major company, uh, they're going to do background checks on you. I mean, yeah. because those are, those companies are all backed by Fortune 5500 and, you know, there's investors, the uh, stockholders, shareholders, and stockholders, shareholders want to make sure their investments are safe and bringing in negative influences into a company can can, can, can greatly uh, affect uh, stock prices and, you know, people's public perception. So, yeah, I mean, if it's good, if they're going to do it in the major leagues, you know, the minor leagues is the farm system that they, you know, you know, a lot of times find their talent at. So, I mean, it should, I think all those rules should start at the farm level. I was thinking in my head, like Mrs. Lovejoy from The Simpsons, think of the children. Yeah. Well, going back to <laughs> all that, you know, the Speak Out movement happened in May 2020. Uh, a lot of wrestlers were getting called out for not even just being pedophiles or anything like that. They were being called for like sexual harassment, sexual assault, you know, even raping other people. Um, so, Michael, so how did you feel when you were seeing all this happening on social media? And then Wait, going, which is the wrong place to do it all because everybody sees it. Which then goes into another part of the question. Do you believe that the wrestlers should be posting all this stuff about other wrestlers negatively, like calling them out on social media? No, I don't. Um, and like I said, I'm not really comfortable talking too too in depth about this, but I will um, entertain your question because I, I respect you guys. But you know, as far as this goes, I read things, and, and I've been doing this. I've been doing my thing in the business since 2011. So over the past like 11 years or so, you know, I've, I've learned a lot. And one thing I can say is, I sadly every time I hear about an incident, uh, you can ask ask, uh, ask anyone that that has ever asked me about this. I just shake my head. I, I shake my head in like a no direction, and I'm like freaking pro wrestling, and literally. And then I literally, and then probably for the rest of the day, I get off of social media because I realize what the hell am I doing on social media? I hate social media. In my private life, I use social media for absolutely nothing. Uh, I, I'll tell you this: I hate it, but I do. I do want to get my quote unquote David Adams brand out there, and more importantly, I want to get the talent over. If I record one of my quote unquote David Adams bootleg specials, you know, bootleg on video, I do that so people don't don't think it's the company, you know, making a making a cheesy uh, like video on their iPhone. It's me just recording it in case the official version that doesn't hit as many pe people's social media pages or whatnot. And I love social media to get the talent over. Uh, we all bust our butt to try and entertain the fans. And sometimes some great matches really don't get, don't hit the light of day. So I'll wait a couple weeks, sometimes a couple months, and then I'll post my stuff. But other than that, I freaking hate social media. Like, it's a great tool. I, I, I mean, Facebook has been my A1 day one to get booking, to uh, establish relationships with promoters and owners. But yeah, once toxicity hits, I don't know if it's me just slowly getting older and with, you know, I'm not saying I'm wise or whatever, but I've certainly, I, you know, I, I, I've gained some wisdom being in this business and, you know, it saddens me every time I hear of an, of an incident, but I want to remind people that 
about. There's far more good people out there than bad people. Unfortunately, when one isolated incident at a time hits, it put, and then you have people putting in their two cents and, and they, you know, adding to it and talent goes and buries that person. It's like, I don't think you have to bury the person at this point anymore. They're obviously going to be blackballed from all shows. And I think that's the ultimate burial um, is if you want to really get buried in this business, do, so, do something that's absolutely unforgivable and no promoter will ever book you and then you can't be a wrestler. So, I mean, I think that's the ultimate penance for a pro wrestler or, you know, any any uh, performer in the business, whether you're a primary performer or you have a secondary role, like an announcer or a referee, sound, camera, whatever. Um, if you want to give, if you, if you do something reprehensible like that, you're going to get straight up, not even banned, you're going to get blackballed. And, you know, you, know, you better go find something else to do because they're not even going to let you in the building as, as a quote-unquote fan to watch. You're just not going to be able to go to any wrestling event. So you better just sit down and enjoy whatever you can find on social media or on YouTube or whatever. So yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't think it helps any when all the, at the end of the day, um, stay in your lane, stay within your, uh, you know, within your responsibilities um, and let the authorities handle it from there. Uh, I mean, that's what the law is supposed to be designed for. I know, you know, in this day and age, it's, it's hard to really, you know, hold a, hold a candle to the system, but I'm, I guess I'm that old school person that still believes that there is a system put in place for a reason. So, I mean, I mean, I got into this business uh, in 2011 because I want to have fun. I wanted to live out my dream. I've gotten to announce thousands of talents uh, and many of those were people that I grew up idolizing on television. So, I mean, I've gotten to, I, I, I've gotten to live out almost all my dreams. I've got a couple more goals left that I'm ready to, uh, you know, try and, uh, you know, you know, you know, get rich or die trying as uh, 50 Cent once said. But, uh, you know, in all real, in all reality, uh, you know, I just, you know, I wish, you know, mercy on, on all these people's souls I hope you know when you do a reprehensible act like this and you get caught and you get called out for it you know and then you get you know blackballed from the business that you love because if we're in this business we've all loved it since childhood you know I hope that you can you know you know whatever God you believe in or whoever whatever savior you go to you know just you know try and try and make yourself a better person you can't change the past but you have the present and the future to try and you know save your soul before you're gone from the earth I don't mean to sound too serious but that's about as far as I want to go into it you ask a serious question so I gave you Yes. Yes. That is what I was thinking too. Like everything you just said, I was like, "Holy crap!" And that's the reason why we do this podcast because we want to put over the talent. You know, the reason why I do photos is because I want the talent to be seen by other promoters and other companies. Exactly, and that's what it's all about. Turn my mic I mean, off. Yeah, and, that's, and that's really where I and that's really where I want the direction of this interview to, to head towards for the rest of it. I think we can put that incident, you know, put that uh, topic in the rearview mirror. Oh, that's okay. I mean, when when you do the bootleg stuff, I appreciate it. Thank you for announcing me as many times oh, as you yeah. have. Of course. But I share you know, it every I, I single did, time you do it. I did that I did that as a bit because I noticed over the years sometimes I would post like a match from my iPhone or you know, before I used to have like a get like like, like a Samsung Galaxy. And that's one of the main reasons I went to iPhone. Besides that Debbie convincing me that Apple would be better, I noticed that the filming is better on the iPhone and the, the Galaxy filming really Android. Bootleg. Yeah. Yeah. No, I loved it. I had an Android forever. Ever, ever, forever, ever, forever, and 
then, and then I, I realized I realized that the video quality on, on, on the iPhone, um, and that's really the only reason I really upgrade after that because I really like you know I, it's more user friendly for me. But the filming comes out better. So like people have still said, "Hey, this looks like this is bootleg," or "This like this looks like this is amateur." And I just started calling them boot, bootleg version to put a gimmick to it, so people would shut up and not and not hold that against the company. You know what it but reminds me of? Companies. You know what it reminds what? me of? Okay, showing my age here, but it reminds me of a certain somebody who would take a camera and go out to the ECW shows and do the old fan cam. That's what. It oh yeah, yeah, me yeah. Of. So I want to yeah, say yeah. there is mics out there that you should get. They're for iPhones or Samsung that. Yeah. We, have started, we started using for our Connect 4. When you do that bootleg, you can put the mics on you and hear yourself better on the, on the um, videos. I'll send it over to you and show you on Amazon. Yeah, be good. That, that's definitely cool. But yeah, it's always fun to be able to like film this stuff. And yeah, I like to give that like, you know, our, our perspective. Sometimes the hard cam isn't always set up in the same direction as ours. So you'll get like a different vantage point. And yeah, I, I, that's what I really want is almost like a fan cam perspective. So with a fan, they still get the feel of the event but it's like a like a, like a more relaxed a- atmosphere and then I always I always put over hey so the official version visit and whatever wherever the official version is so you always want to make sure especially if it's like on IWTV you know only nine ninety nine a month the most live wrestling you know a lot of people you know you guys hell I wouldn't have IWTV if it wasn't for you guys thanks for the hookup oh, you're, welcome. you're welcome so I'm going to talk about five star rate you know how Metzler yeah. says five stars everything so how do you rate matches because that's my idea in my head. I'm like, I'm trying to figure out how to rate a match because you watch a match, you think the match is amazing, but nobody sees like as a five-star match. I see so many good talents out there put on a great show. Like it could be comedy, could be anything else, but like watching the five stars, how do you rate a match? Let's say a match is going on and if you wanted to rate it, how would you rate it in your head? You know, it's tough. I really don't really try and rate matches like with ours or whatnot. And from a performer standpoint, I know a lot of the talent talent, uh, you know, if they hear, oh, they said I had a five-star match, most talent are their biggest, uh, they're their own biggest, like, like critic. And if you really level what you do, I think you never truly feel like you have a five-star match. I always think even if you have a great match, you'll go back and you'll and you'll micromanage the match. You'll dissect it, and there's like well, like a second here, or a second there where you think you could have transitioned stuff that maybe the fans definitely aren't going to notice. But from an artistic standpoint, trying to build something from a blank canvas, um, I think a lot of talent wouldn't rate most of their matches five stars. Because anybody that truly wants to, uh, you know, succeed and exceed expectations in this business, really shouldn't just ever say, "Oh, I had a perfect match." But I think there's always room for improvement, no matter how great you are whether it's independent or on the mainstay um but for me if i have i i listen to the crowd i i, I look at and i look at how the talent like a one-on-one match i look at how the talent responds to the crowd and sometimes you know the, the talent knows when to slow something down if the fans are into something and and you're at a part of a match where you know i'll pull back the curtain a smidge and you're at a part of a match where there's a big comeback or something sometimes i've seen the talent slow things down because the, the fans have uh, commandeered the match, you know, fight forever, this is awesome, or, you know, cheering for good guy, and then the other half of the crowd is saying the bad guy's name, you know, back and forth, and then you let the talent actually kind of backs off, slows down, looks around, let the talent, or let the fans get their vocals in there, and then they go back to whatever plan 
plan is to be executed. I really, I look for things like that. I look for, you know, I, I look for good chemistry with amongst the talent in relation to the fans. And I also look to see how, how well, um, if I'm on commentary or even if I'm, if I'm not on commentary, I'll look, even if I'm just doing ring announcing, I'll listen to the commentators and I'll listen to how well they're flowing off each other with the excitement levels high with the highs and lows, you know, the falsies of a near fall and stuff like that. Um, I think if everything flows well, uh, there are a lot of threes and fours out there. If I were to rate them, um, you know, I think maybe I call, I'm not even going to give an example, but I think maybe in my 11 years, I can honestly say maybe in my mind, I say, wow, that was a five-star match. Nothing I would like say, you know, check out this five-star match that I just you know, recorded, but I might say, hey, this is a great match or an instant classic or, you know, check out this can't miss match, stuff like that. Those are other like, uh, you know, specific adjective words that I would use. Uh, but and yeah, plus besides Dave Meltzer has got the whole five star thing going there. But I mean, yeah, if I feel if, if, if I feel confident, if, if I'm doing it, whether I'm doing commentary solo or with one other person or two other people, if there's not one point in that match where to myself, I felt something was quote unquote cringeworthy and I felt that there was a good flow, that's what I look for. And I, and I, and I generally think the talent would be happy with that. And um, yeah, like I said, uh, I think you can only try and do the best you can. Uh, but I, the, I think the star ratings is something that talent shouldn't think about. That you know, let the let the uh, let the podcast people such, such, such as yourself, or let the uh, pro wrestling illustrated people, the reviewers, the writers take care of that. Um, so I think if you get wrapped up in the whole, what kind of a star match am I going to get? I, I think that can really affect you in an adverse way because you'll think too much. Yeah, yeah. To, I rate matches basically on how the fans react and how they talk about it later on. Like if you had a really really good match, people are going to talk about it. That's to me. That's how you're going to get over in this business is you, you get over the fans. Yeah. So next question. Um, do you think companies or wrestling companies need to get sponsors to pay for talent? Um, it's situational. Um, it, I mean, I think I, I don't necessarily think that the, um, that that's necessarily the owner's responsibility. Um, a lot of times, I mean, I'm not an owner, so this question is a little above my pay grade and I don't know the exact ins and outs of what it takes to be an owner. But I mean, from if I was going to, you know, be slightly educated about it and make an educated uh, comment, I would say if said talent tells a promoter, hey, I want this much money to come in and it's a little bit out of the promoter's uh, budget, maybe, you know, he can either recommend maybe find sponsorship or ask him if he, if he has a sponsorship. I mean, so that way maybe the sponsor and the promoter can split costs in what way? Like I said, I don't, I, I'm not an owner, nor would I ever want to be an owner. It's something that, yeah, I, once you're an owner, that just changes everyone's perspective. Once you're the money guy, no one that will ever look at you the same ever again. And I kind of, you know, I kind of just like what I'm doing. But um, yeah, I mean, sponsorship's okay. Uh, um, but that should be the talent's responsibility. Hey, why should you put that on the owner? If you want to get yourself over and you want someone to help you with the bills that you necessarily can't handle on your own or you can't get all that money from the promoter, why not? Find somebody that wants to sponsor you. Maybe somebody that wants to invest in buying, buying you t-shirts and uh, he takes back, you know, and he'll split the profits with you. Someone that, that'll maybe help you with airfare and then he puts any profits with you. Negotiate the meet and greet. Maybe, maybe if if uh, if the sp sponsor pays for your airfare, maybe he'll get a part of, of your of your signings or your merch. You know, that's all private dealings. I, I wouldn't want to speak for any talent how they uh, how they uh, negotiate um, when it comes to like in terms of uh, of like making money or distributing uh, merchandise. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm all about it. You can get sponsorship in this business, especially on the independent level. Make your money. Absolutely. So we want to get into um, a little fun right now. Ooh. Yeah, we're going to have some fun here. Fun so, with the Daves. This sounds, this, 
Sun Pot. Uh, I'm down. What's three Dears on? and a Brian. I want to talk about um, three your three favorite matches of all time, and then three other matches that you announced that are your favorite matches that you announced. Okay, so like three three of my favorite matches of all time that Correct. I that I watched but didn't announce, and the three matches that I did announce. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So let's start with the three okay. favorite matches of all time that you love. Uh, uh, as you're talking, I'm breaking them down in my head. Um, I mean, we can. I'm gonna group them all into one. I'm I, I'm gonna group them all into one. Every single Stone Cold versus The Rock match at WrestleMania. I know there were three of them. We're just gonna count it as one. I love all three of them, so I'm just gonna put that into one grouping. Obviously, okay. if you got to pick the best one, it's the first one. Uh, the, their first encounter at WrestleMania. I I really enjoyed that. But we'll we'll group those all into one. Um, uh, another match I enjoyed because I was there live. It was the very first the very first Elimination Chamber match where Shawn Michaels won the title at Mass Square Garden. Wasn't that I'm a WrestleMania as well? Was that a SummerSlam? That was no, it was Survivor Series. Survivor Series. Survivor That's Series. Right. Survivor Series 2002, I believe. I was there. I almost fell down the stairs. Yeah. I almost lost my shit. It was crazy. Was, Triple H. Triple Hunter, H takes right? the RVD. Yeah, Triple H takes the RVD frog splash early in the match, and RVD accidentally put his knee right into his esophagus and crushed his throat. Yeah. And then he he kind of bailed in the corner for like another for like most of the match, and then him and Sean had to have the big finale, and then I mean Triple H wrestled for like ten minutes, barely breathing with a crushed throat. I mean, if anybody that's been in the business knows how much cardio it takes to, to put on a match, especially at that level, especially at the end of the match where 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 Sean's going to win the title over Triple H. Yeah, um, that was it was some it was awesome, and all the confetti fell from the sky. That was that was pretty amazing. Um, we're also talking about a man who finished out a match, pedigreed a guy on the table with a torn quad, completely yep. torn off the bone. Yep. And he and finished that, was also that match. Sean's, so. uh, that was also Sean's like, comeback where as good of a as Shawn Michaels was a man of two halves, his career was still in two halves. And I honestly think his second run was better than his first run. And his first run was pretty freaking good. And then he, you know, he faces, and and I'm thinking of my third match. I would say number four would be would be Stone Cold versus Shawn Michaels, the match that sent uh, Shawn in to a retirement for a couple of years because of the back situation. So I'll put that four and number three. I know there's got to be a three there. Something a match that I that I enjoyed. I, I usually try and think of ones that I've seen live. But that Survivor Series match was pretty good. Um, you know, I really did enjoy when Benoit won the championship at WrestleMania. But obviously, I don't, you know, you know everything that happened there with uh, PTSD and stuff. You know, the head trauma and all the horrible things that happened. It kind of put the negative uh, light on that match. Watching that match live was amazing with Benoit and Triple. And, and Shawn Michaels. You see a common pattern in a lot of things with Shawn Michaels and Triple H. And um, uh, live, honestly, and I really did enjoy it, and I, I never thought the match got it, it did justice. I, I really enjoyed Undertaker versus CM Punk at WrestleMania when it came to Jersey. Um, I really liked that match a lot, and, and I mean, I think the diehard fans appreciate it, but I think in the in the terms of like wrestling lore and all-time great wrestling matches, it never got the respect that it deserves. But I really did enjoy that, and I truly do believe that should have been the main event, but you know, I get it from a booking standpoint. You got to have the Rock and Cena once in a lifetime again. You know, you got you got to do what you got to do. You got to fill the seats, and and that match was great too. But you know, I, I I think if that was three right there, I mean, I could go on and on. And then there's matches. I mean, obviously, just you know, Ricky, you always have to put Ricky Steamboat and Macho Man in 
there. I could watch that match a, a thousand times um, just for the, all the all the falsies in that match. There's, there was probably like 30 or 40 falsies in that match, it felt like. So yeah, I enjoyed that too. And I mean, we could go on and on. But I mean, the ones, and I'm just buying time for the ones that I've announced personally. Um, I mean, a lot of those ones will be at House of Glory, honestly. House of Glory Wrestling has, uh, has definitely provided me some of, of my most memorable moments. Uh, um, right off the bat, Amazing Red versus Rob Van Dam was, was pretty cool. Um, gotten, I mean, it, it'd probably be beyond three if I did that. Uh, once upon a time, actually, I announced uh, at Pro Wrestling Syndicate back in the day, uh, I announced Rob Van Dam versus AJ Styles. That was pretty cool. Um, shit, I mean, uh, just, I don't think I mean, shit is a match. Yeah, I never heard yeah, of that shit one. Shit is not. I, I, I certainly, I certainly probably bring announce a bunch of matches that fans would have called shit. But uh, <laughs> as far as uh, as far as um, I mean, gosh, I mean, just trying to think of once you put it. I mean, I, I, to break it down. Uh, oh, I mean, uh, the great Muda. I got to announce him. At, I got to announce him WrestleMania weekend in a in a six man tag team international collision. Uh, that was pretty cool. Uh, just to have the just to uh, have the opportunity to announce like Muda once in my career was awesome. Um, and it wasn't necessarily a, it wasn't a match, but I did once get to announce Rick Lair to the ring. He uh, did a meet and greet and then he opened the show with a promo and I gave him the biggest entrance I could and, and he you know, he, he grabbed the mic and said, hey man, I gotta take you on the road with me to do all my intros. And I was thinking, man, yeah, I would never last one night on the road with him drinking. Holy shit, I'd be passed out every night by 8 o'clock. But yeah, no, I mean, yeah, um, yeah, but, I mean, I've been afforded so many great opportunities to announce. Kevin Nash is always great. I've gotten to announce Scott Hall. Just, you know, the, the outsiders coming to do promos and stuff like that. Um, uh, but actually, and now that and now that I'm, I'm I have to say one of my favorite ma- matches to ever announce. Uh, I I I did ring announcing for a cup of coffee um, at Impact Wrestling, and cup of coffee is a term that means I did it. I had a three day stint at Impact. I never got called back up to the big leagues, but I was about to do the big leagues at the 2300 Arena, and uh, the main event for one of those tapings was Rob Van Dam versus Tommy Dreamer in the ECW Arena for Impact Wrestling in the main event, and um, I think and the fact that uh, it, it was Tommy Dreamer that uh, was the one that um, got me the uh, booking, which really meant a lot. They needed an announcer, and my name, you know, came to fruition to be the guy to do it. So, and that was, and that was the first time I think I had ever announced in the ECW arena. Um, so it was pretty pretty surreal, and um, yeah, and being a big ECW uh, fan growing up, and still the ECW fan to this day, I think I think all time for me personally about I, you know if it, if it never gets any better than that for me it was, it was pretty cool and uh, I mean those guys I gave them the intros that they deserved and I really enjoyed it you know and, and I think he might agree with this I really feel that storylines are alleviating from what they should be you know like I want to know why you're doing a ladder match in the first match how do we get there why why are we doing a light bulb match you guys have never worked with each other so why so my question well, is do you feel that it's alleviating away from storylines like they're just going right into those type of matches I mean it's it depends on, on what kind of a company you're uh, we're talking about. Is it a co- company that primarily does death matches or hardcore matches? Or I mean, it could be. I mean, there's a lot of factors behind it. You're basically asking me why would a company open up a show with like a with like a hardcore match or a lo- or a ladder match? Pretty much, like it, I, it goes back to Razor and Shawn WrestleMania 10. They did maybe four. There was like a five month buildup of matches between those two to get to the ladder match at WrestleMania 10. Let me go back to one of your favorite matches was the Undertaker versus CM Punk. They did a two or three month build 
up right. from Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. Do you think independents should do that, the build-up? Well, like you said, it all depends on the company. Like, there's certain guys that have been feuding with each other. Like, I know there's two guys at Titan that have been doing a lot of stuff together, and those two have been feuding. I don't know if they're still feuding with each other, but they did a whole bunch of stuff to that one show that we were at that led up to that cage match. And we were there for that, and there was so much build-up for that. Like, I just feel there's no build-up anymore. Do you think um, we're missing that point in wrestling now? Yeah, I mean, it really depends on what goals the company is looking for. If the company has a local TV contract or they or, or they have a film company that puts it on a streaming service or some kind of like an app that you can download on your phone, there's a lot of ways that uh, companies can get, uh, you know, on like a visual media without having to buy television time. Um, it really depends. Like with, with, with Titan, they have, they have a deal with Mob by TV and HHTW Network Productions. So they have a film crew and they have an outlet to put the content on. I mean, if it's a company that just, you know, and it depends. Are are the promoters mock promoters or are they promoters that have a little bit of business savvy sense to them? A mark promoter is maybe a, somebody that's a fan and there's nothing wrong with being a fan or a mark have you. It's not a derogatory term. But, and you have a couple bucks in your pocket and uh, your wife hasn't kicked your ass for wanting to spend some money on a wrestling business instead of maybe putting Johnny through college. Um, you know, it, I mean, it really depends on what you are. I mean, some, some, some promoters, they don't give a shit. And they're like, hey, I want to have a ladder match first and it's my company and I'm paying for it. And you know what? Go for it. For me, the psychology is, all right, so the, you, have the, you have the pre-show, you have the opening match, you have a ladder match or you have weapons. Now, at the end of that match, ding, 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 great match. Hopefully the fans cheer. You are left with a ring full of debris. Now you have to take another impromptu, you have to take an impromptu intermission after your first match to clean up the ring. This allows the fans time to become distracted. They'll go on their phones, they'll go smoke a cigarette, they'll go get a drink, they'll go get food, they'll go to the bathroom. Um, and they don't know how long it's going to take to, to clean things up. If you have a good ring crew, they can clean up the glass and the debris or whatever in maybe two minutes. But if you go outside and you're on the phone, you're smoking a cigarette talking, you're, you're for 15 minutes, maybe the second match starts. Now, you had a packed house, maybe 250 people, a nice draw. They all saw that first match. You take that impromptu intermission, maybe you only have 100 people in the in the building by the time the ring. This is where it's the announcer's job. If you notice during shows, I'll do a lot of 10-second countdowns. It's not because I really, I mean, I do like the way I count things down, like 10, 9, 8. But I do that as a as a, as an audio cue. So people outside can hear me say, oh, is there a count? People associate countdowns with, you know, you know, lift off or something's about to happen. You know, happy New Year. You know, something big's about to happen. So at the end of that 10 second countdown, I usually gives me, and I usually do it slow. There's people that 10, maybe 15 seconds say, oh, I better get my ass back inside. I want to do that so it doesn't take away from whatever match is coming up next because now this is the next match on the card. You know, you know, they're ready for their match and they've done nothing wrong, but they may, you know, they, they don't have the same advantage that the first match had. Now you have a lot of empty seats. You don't have as much cheering. And, and now these two or three, whoever may many people were in that second match, they, you know, they're forced to uh, perform in front of a lesser crowd only because the psychology of the lineup wasn't there. I mean, if you're going to do like an eight match hard, have the, and you know, you're going to have a hardcore match. Just make that hardcore match. Number four, make it the first half main at first half main, put the match four, then you have an intermission and all that time to clean up the ring. And now Bob, now most intermissions in a perfect world are about 15 to 20 minutes long. You've given now your ring crew 15 to 20 minutes to clean that up. Then we come back for match five. All 
call as well. I'll let the fans know. I'll do that 10-second countdown to let people know intermission over. And now the next match after a hardcore match has a nice packed crowd and it has the fans full attention, which I think is only fair because, I mean, performers want to try and, you know, they want to try and perform at, at, at their peak and, you know, the peak of advantage. And, you know, you, you, if there's a packed house, you, you want to be able to perform in front of that packed house. You don't want to have to only, you know, perform in front of half the house with the other half outside because you had to call an intermission. I mean, it's a lot of things that, you know, you know, promoters or owners don't think about, but I think that's where the veteran veterans in the locker room can sometimes help them and guide them. Like I said, I think like an owner sometimes, but I would never want to be an owner. Screw that. <laughs> yeah, screw that. Screw that. I, I do want to put a show on in my lifetime and that's it, but I don't want to, I don't want to be an owner. I really want to put another yeah. show or possibly own a company at some point, but not right now. So my next question is called Table of Five. I, I was drinking something. Sorry, I told you I'm not supposed to be here today. Okay. Okay. So this is called a table. We did table five before, but we like to put themes to this whole table five. So you're the fifth person at the table and you need to put four more, let's say announcers or ring announcers at your table and they had to be independent, not like pro ones because. So, so okay. Well, um, well, right off the bat, I, I will name them, but if I have to have a designated pro, the spirit, we'll consider it uh star Wars style that after Obi-Wan Kenobi passed away, uh, Luke still saw him as a hologram. Are we clear on, on the reference? Okay, yes. So Howard Finkel, the hologram of Howard Finkel goes at the head of the table. No ifs, ands, or buts. May he rest in peace. Okay. We're good there? Yes, we're good. Yeah, okay, right. so now so now, amateur or independent wrestling, I mean, it's pretty easy. There's right in this area, we're going to go right off the bat, Larry Legend, we're going to go MLJ, we're going to go Ryan Peterson, we're going to go Shane Fair, and we're going to go, um, I, I know I'm being put on the spot for for a fifth person. Um, you are the fifth you person. You are um, the fifth person. But oh, who, who oh, would I'm be the fifth person. Okay, cool. So there you go. That <laughs> that question didn't didn't need any long build up. So, that, yeah, I mean, I would say you know I don't care about being the best. I think the best is our hologram at, at the table. But when when people put my name in the conversation as one of the best announcers on the scene, that I will accept. I don't give a shit about being the best. I care about being the best announcer I can be. And you know what? If the fans can see that and they can appreciate the work I put in that's a win for me because I said a million times you're not going to go into this I'm not going to give you the same podcast I gave you last time not yeah. about the announcer the fans are not paying to see the ring announcer but they do appreciate when the ring announcer can add to their uh, visual experience I'm the audio soundtrack to their cassette to the DVD have you that makes any sense so when we went into starting the IW Vintage with Atticus I'm like he's like I got a ring announcer I'm like you do okay two days later he's like who did you have I'm like David Adam. He's like, oh, okay. Tell him yes, please come down to ring it out. So it's like if I can't get a hold of you, it's either Ryan or Shane. About legend. He's got a lot of good stuff going on. You were you were gonna name one more person for that table. Who was it gonna be? Oh me? Yeah. That's what I was saying. I was trying to think of another person. I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, I know I'm probably missing somebody. And you know what? Once upon a time, I had a checklist on on my phone here of ring announcers. I don't. I probably long since erased it. Wait, wait. Give me one second. I I think I know who you might be talking. Please go ahead. Rich You're not interrupting me. Go ahead, dude. Rich Reed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, here you go. I I made this list a long time ago, and I'll read it off. Larry Legend, Rich Palladino, Shane Fair. There's a gentleman named Marlon Dinkins, Rich Reed. There's a gentleman that used to ring announce around Long Island for NYWC named Andy Miller. He has since moved to Florida for a career path goal. Uh, Ryan Peterson. Uh, I know Scott Ceritti primarily does commentary now, but he's done ring announce very good for 
already mentioned MLJ out in Pennsylvania. A gentleman I've known for over a decade, Carolina Jim. There's a gentleman that used to ring out at the Monster Factory named Stuart Campbell. I think he's since moved out to the Midwest. Uh, Paul Bow for PPW. Uh, there's a gentleman named Stefan Benson. Stefan Benson won the $1 yeah, million dollar WWE 2K Challenge a couple years ago playing a video game. So yeah, so that would be a full listing right there. I, I did keep this list because I, I one day was like, there's so many great announcers in the area and I'd mark them all on a checklist in case anybody ever asked me, such as this moment, I didn't want to leave anybody out. But yeah, just, you better make it a bigger table than table for five boys. I've just renamed your gimmick. <laughs> table for of, a damn can, ba- Baker's dozen. Baker's I can think of two other announcers that are in this area that are on my list. Please. Steven DeAngelis and Bob Ortiz. Oh yeah. I can think of another yep, one. You know what? Absolutely. Two, they're legends. I can think of another one. He's he's rising up there right now and he has a show today. Who's oh. that? That would be Chad Spackle. Chad. Chad Spectacular. Spectacular. Yep. Oh yeah. Kid's good. Very cool. Kid's, Kid's good. good. I like him. Yeah, there's a, the features looking bright for pro wrestling. That's you know, why you got our shoes. Ring announcers. Well, why, why do you think I? Why do you think I practice so hard my commentary? Because you know, if I want to keep getting bookings and you know, and they already have a ring announcer book, it's like, hey, you need a commentator, and there you go. The envelope is still there. You know, try and find more ways to get that envelope. When when we went up and hung out with that at Victor's show, and you were late, Ryan's like, you know, he's an announcer, right? Saying this to Alex, talking about me. Alex is like, really? Yeah, I've been doing commentary and stuff like that for years. And Ryan yeah, goes, that was a fun show, even though I only got to do half of it. We, uh, we, I we still go. It, man. I, I still my watch time it. On commentary with you. I was all fired up. It, it was fun. And Alex is like, really? I'm like, yeah, I do. I've been doing it for years. Ryan's like, is that okay? Go ahead. I got a hot dog out of it, so I'm okay. <laughs> I was pulling so much. Uh, I was trying to make so much material out, basically out of my ass. I was just pulling the material out. I don't know. I was like, I, I missed the first half. I didn't really know all the full storylines. I worked off for you, and I, I was just trying to say entertaining stuff. And I, I pulled so many, so much of that stuff out of my coat pocket. Have you? It was just like out of nowhere. I was I, like, it was good though. I remember doing the one Freestyle, match. The whole it thing. was like the three college guys. I forget what they were, but they were like Starbucks and coffee and everything else. And I, I just pulled lines out of my butt. The dude went and got his cup of coffee. I'm like, what is this? Yeah. A Brat Pack match? What, what do we got going yeah. on here? This is a type of match that's brewed right out of Starbucks. And it yeah, was every once in a while, freestyling is good. Yeah, it I is. like there to be like a. I like there to be like a set, like like you know, hippie. You know, I don't want. I I hate having to memorize everything word for word because I think that takes away from my artistic expression. But give me the key points. Um, what they call? Give me a bullet point, and then I'll roll with it. But uh, in that case, there were no bullet points. It was just straight, uh, just just freestyle the whole thing, B Rabbit style. So I, I'm going Paul Heyman on this, as he says, and shooting from the hip. Okay, so yeah. I'm not naming names. We know a personal friend of ours that says, "Oh, you don't need a run sheet. You should know what you're doing." Yep, he says that. So, like, one of my right. favorite things was um the match we called was for IWA with um Cade Lothbrook and um Red Dog when the whole fireball oh, the fireball and I just oh. started I just started like saying like who started the fire stuff like that and started singing Billy Joel. <laughs> I had fun doing that. That was fun. Just like just like yeah, fun. you have you have you have to find those uh, key things that are gonna bring out your personality from an organic basis. And if you think it feels, feels right, let it out. You know, and that's the duty. A lot of times too, if it's not a live taping, you can always edit stuff out. If, you, if they go back, you know, I, I think I said something stupid last night on commentary, and I'm just like, uh, they're like, don't worry, it's not live. Yeah. So and, you know, you know, sometimes you know, you know, if you don't try it, you don't know. Sometimes you got to you got to throw some stuff at the wall. You know, saying it to yourself is one thing, but giving it a shot on a live 
live show, it takes a lot of balls sometimes and you got to just give it a shot and not be afraid to like fail. Not everything is going to, is going to stick. I believe me. I've tried to be humorous many times in my life, both in wrestling and in real life. And you know, I got no laugh. So I was like, all right, guess that one didn't stick. We'll try something else. My bad. When, when I went up and did that Invictus show, I knew maybe two people in the entire show and I freestyled that whole show and I knew barely anybody on, I think I knew, no, I knew Adam and Ligurski and I knew, um, Leroy. It was it. I knew nobody else on the sometimes, show. Sometimes that's the best way right. to like do it. It prevents you from overthinking. That's why I said it. <laughs> so, do you have any <laughs> shooting from the other hip? So, yeah, what you got from the other hip? So, do you have any road yeah, trip stories? Probably way too many. Just name one. Are you talking to me? Do I, do I have yes. any wrestling stories? Yeah, no, do no. you have any road trip stories? Do you have any road trip stories? Just uh, name one road trip story. Uh, Don't go there, DB. Uh, honestly, I have, I've kept it pretty good in my life. Uh, I've, uh, yeah, I don't, I, I don't really get too crazy on any road trips. I, I try and keep it professional and uh, any uh, dumb mistakes I've made on road trips early in my career, I've corrected that because sometimes you're just dumb and you, and, and part of being a professional in this business is, you know, public perception is important and it's not just about how you act in the ring or at the arena, but also how you act in public because, you know, if the wrestling fan sees that or anybody sees that. But I mean, I, honestly, yeah, I, I wish I had uh, better stories. That's probably a question better suited for other talent. But no, I mean, I, I, I've kept it. I, I've kept it pretty good over the years here, and I think that's part of the reason why I've uh, survived as long as I as long as I had. I, I wish I had. I wish I had a better answer for you. No, it's I mean okay. that's okay. I mean, we have a road story too. We're coming back from EC ESPW, and we stop at the Applebee's, having late dinner, and we look across the restaurant. There's uh, Carlson, Wyatt, Jeff got, Rev, yep. and from one CW, one CW, and you guys were over right. to talk to him, and you guys pulled a prank on Wyatt on his birthday because it wasn't his birthday, but you said it was his birthday. And then we pulled it on you. Yes, and you pulled it on me. Happy birthday, Brian. No. Yeah, happy birthday. No. <laughs> I, I always we, he went. We went over to the bathroom, and I'm like, so it's his birthday over there. Lady goes, it is. I'm like, yep. She comes over with a candle and a cake and hands it to him. We're like, happy birthday, Brian. Really loud. And Brian got her number. Yep. <laughs> but, like, Dave always touches my radio. I always prank him and the road trips and all that because, like, he wants to change the music, and when I'm listening to the music, he wants to change it. But yet, <laughs> 3 o'clock in the morning, coming home from certain shows, you'll blast Britney Spears. I will bless anything to annoy you. You know what the funny road story was? Was when you had Frankie, Drew, and Chuck in the car. That one was funny. <laughs> Frankie um, hit the um, heat and yeah, <laughs> everybody else was rolling down the window and I, and Frankie fell asleep. Yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> and I mean, rib, ribbon stories, stuff like that. I walked into H2O the one day and I saw Drew was there. And I'm like, you still haven't grown, have you? And I, I like, I rib it on him the whole time. He's like, you motherfucker, shut up. Leave me alone. I'm like, so how is the Shire? <laughs> I, I honestly want to know, how's the Shire? How was Willy Wonka? And how's the Land of Oz? He's like, son of a bitch, still ribbing on me. Like, Dude, I've known you for 30 years. I'm allowed. We are the lollipop kids. Don't get me wrong. Drew Blood's a great friend, great guy. Still working to this day. CW original. Oh, dude. Like, I love ribbing and I love ranking and all that stuff and road trips and all that cool stuff. But it's the best is when I have fun with everybody. And I mean, we've lost a lot of great friends along the road and everything else that were in different companies that we worked in. I mean, we just came up on the anniversary of Trent Acid. Yeah, I, I thought of one. This one's good. There's no, there's no 
no craziness. There's no, uh, you know, frat house, uh, you know, tactics here. This is a good one. I was working House of Glory many years ago, and we had AJ Files on the show. And AJ Files, he's from down south, and all he wanted was New York City pizza. But unfortunately, a lot of the joints were uh, closed at, after the show. He comes in, he's like, hey, man, um, are you doing it? Is anybody going out for, for something to eat? I really want pizza. And it was a snowstorm. And um, and I and I had my car, and it was in my car was me, Joey Janella, Matt McIntosh, and Steve Scott. And I was like, hey, I don't know what you guys are doing. Do you want to go out to eat? I, AJ Styles is hungry. And so we, we drove him to his hotel. He dropped off his uh, stuff real quick. And then he, we hopped in the car. And we started, and we just basically, he was, he, he was pretty down to earth. Um, I'd say of all the like you know big names I've ever worked with, he's definitely the most down to earth celebrity, quote unquote, because he's just like a dude. Um, and we went, we, we found a diner actually. Couldn't find any pizza joints open. It was like, you know, after midnight. And yeah, so yeah, we showed at the diner impromptu in a snowstorm. The roads were like icy covered. Could barely see, but we found a diner. And, and I mean, uh, in yeah, your I mean, car? Yeah, we packed wow. everybody. I had a Jeep, I had a Jeep uh, Compass at the time. Oh, I thought so, you were talking about your car you, you have know, now. No, no, no. But no, I had a Jeep Compass at the time, so it was all right. We, we packed it in. And yes, and the dude just wanted some food and, and some company to hang out. And, and it was great because he wanted to talk about anything except for pro wrestling. I, I The conversations ranged everything from family to managing wrestling with your real life uh, Nintendo, basically. Yeah, it was just, and he loves to play on video games. And it was just, it was a cool meal with a cool dude. And this was before he got signed by WWE. Um, he was doing his independence thing um, and just really a nice guy. And, and then a couple months later, he got signed and his career, you know, he, just, he entered his, you know, second half of his career with his big run. And um, yeah, just a really nice guy, very down to earth, very level headed. And he said the highlight of his week is he just wants to be able, he's like, I'm just a dude that takes the minivan to drop my kids off school. That's the highlight of my week. He's like, I love, I love to spend time with my kids and just being able to like, you know, drop them off at school and pick them up from school. He's like, he's like I have a minivan and I don't give a shit. Like, I'm so he really is a like, soccer I'm just mom. That's the family guy. Yeah. I mean, right. it was cool. And it was just, it was good to see that because in this business too, I think that's something you can't learn it from a seminar. You can't learn it from a training school. It's how to balance family with this crazy world of travel known as pro wrestling. And, you know, it's a statistical thing that a lot of relationships don't work. A lot of these performers suffer divorces and, uh, and you know, and the multiple, you know, m- multiple fractures in relationships. And this guy was so level-headed and he, and he just, you know, he's like, it's not easy, but I, I'm a, he was all about balancing his family life with the wrestling life. So he really, understands he, that he needs to feed his family, but yeah, it's just right. a very, I, I wish I, I wish I met more people of, a, of such a celebrity stature in the business with him that were that down to earth. Someone that you can just, just to do that. I felt like he was a dude you could just chill with, shoot the pool with, and just shoot the shit with. And, and you could talk to him all afternoon long or all evening and not even bring up a wrestling one time, which was great. You know who else was like that? James Storm. As many times, like all the Southern people that I worked with from James Storm to Dusty to, I haven't worked with AJ, but I've heard great stories. Steve Scott, not not self-esteem Steve, that's crazy Steve. All, all like true Southern people. Like James didn't even want to talk about wrestling. He just wanted coffee. Like we we walk in the one icons and he's standing there when we're talking, we're setting up. And he's like, excuse me, gentlemen, where can I get a cup of coffee? I'm like, I'm waiting for that freaking stand up myself so I can get one. He's like, can you let me know when they do? I'm like, James, no problem. Can I get a picture? So I have a favor to ask. So this is going to be our final question. So the final you... question. No, 
I, I, won't I do. I do appreciate it. I, I do have an. I do have to get somewhere. I do apologize. I realize we've been doing this for an hour and sixteen minutes. Holy hell. I love it. You get me on it. I, I don't shut the hell up. So that, that's we're used to that. David Adams here, and this is the final question for this episode of the Twenty Three Hundred Wrestling Podcast. So this is called the Five Questions to Do. Hold it. Well, I mean, I haven't been here in a while. Do you want to try? All right, let me try. All right. This is the five questions of doom. No. No. Go ahead. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for the five questions. Why do I sound like Jericho? (laughs) Tell you that all the time. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for the five questions of doom. (laughs) Question number one. Road runner or Wiley Coyote? Road runner. Wiley Coyote. I mean, he did have some awesome signs. You know what I mean? They were great signs. Really loved them. But on that note. Question number two. Cartoon Network or Nickelodeon? Nickelodeon. See, I could add one into that. No, no, but he wouldn't know. So, go ahead. Number three. You're all three. Your all-time favorite song. My all-time favorite song? I'm going Real American by Rick, Dan- Rick Derringer. That's a tough one. Uh, you know what? Appropriate for the end of this uh, interview, you're up in the final countdown. But we still stand strong. What else you got, guys? Got two more. Question number four. First, cons- first concert attended. My first concert attended? Oh, my God. Uh, you making me think back here. Um, I think it was, I saw 311 on my birthday in the 90s, and they wow. stopped the show to wish me a happy birthday in front of like, like 5,000 people. That's I'm trying! Give me a second. Sorry. I really do have to wrap it up, guys. Uh, otherwise, number my day is going to be shitty after this. Please out for me. Number five! Care Bears or Care Bear Cousins? I don't even know who the hell the Care Bear Cousins are. <laughs> Care Bears for life. Those cousins can kiss my ass. Care Bear Countdown. Okay. You got any social media to tell everybody? I think we all know where to find yeah, David can, Adams. Yeah, Facebook.com backslash uh, David Adams dot ring announcer. Uh, Instagram, David underscore Adams underscore here. And uh, Twitter, which I don't really use Twitter that much, but I guess in wrestling you need Twitter. It is, the handle is voice of the ring. And you can visit my YouTube channel. I never hype up my YouTube channel, but I got like literally thousands of matches on there over the 11, 12 year span I've been doing this. So look for my David Adams YouTube channel, subscribe today, and there's like literally thousands of hours of free content, and you can enjoy everything free of charge. Okay, Just give right. it a like. Through our ending, we'll, we'll let you go. <laughs> we can do the promo later. Yeah. Yep. No, I'm late for my. I gotta get my prostate examined. I'm sorry, I got a big appointment at the doc. Yeah, have fun with that. Don't feel bad. I had Indian food the other night, so I'm right there with you. <laughs> Nice. Okay. Ooh, what do Thanks, you got for me in closing? Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me on, guys. And you're I will welcome. see you, gentlemen, at a show soon. Oh, I know. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you. And this has been the 2300 Wrestling Podcast. I'm Dave Keener alongside DB Richards. And we'll see you in, in the, the ring. ring. And we would like to thank Dave Adams for being on the show today. Thank, thank you. Thank you Have very much, Sunday. guys. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. you. God bless. All right. Bye. Hey, this is D.B. Richards. And this is B. Schweik. Hey, we got some ads. Yes, we do. We have Twisted 
Shamrock Studios and Spa is not your typical spa. Take a journey back in time with all your favorite nostalgia from the 1920s to the early 2000s. The staff will provide you with healing therapeutic services with a high-end feel. Mention this podcast and receive 10% off of your first service. Book with Twisted Shamrock Studios and Spa today, where recovery, relaxation, and love of all decades past never go out of style. So where can you find them? You can find them at 16 Wilmington West Chester Pike in Chad's 4 PA 19317 and you can call them at 484 574 and 68. Hey, Brian. Hey, I want to go now. 2300 Wrestling Podcast. Let's go. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is David Kinner from the 2300 Wrestling Podcast letting you know about photographer, camera, editor, designer, extraordinaire, Brian Schweiker. Please give him a call at 856-254-7546 for any of your photography needs. You can also reach him at bschweiker13 at gmail.com, Facebook, and everything else is there as well. Get him for all your party wrestling movies whatever you want to do that's brian swiker check him out yeah